Thank you for coming. I'm Andy Hines and looking forward to sharing with you tonight. Obviously, Rick and the guys are down in uh, Brazil, or over in Brazil. Took me a long time to realize Brazil wasn't west of Texas. That's a long story, though. <laughs> You'd think as much schooling as I've had, as much geography and history as I did, I would have known that, but I did not. But that's a long story. All right. Father, I thank you for this evening, and I ask you, Lord, to open up this time tonight. Let the Holy Spirit move. Uh, I pray, Father, that we'll get what you want us to learn in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I'm gonna, we're going to talk tonight about the risk of faith. And uh, Rick has been talking uh, about the gifts of the Spirit and, in, and doing a good job of it. One of the things that, that he asked me to do was to continue that. And I thought it would be good to kind of set a foundation, because if you don't have a foundation for the gifts to work in, uh, they, they, they won't work at all. If you don't have a foundation, if you don't know where you're going, if you don't know the situation that we're in, uh, you won't be able to be successful. Um, I'm going to read from the New King James tonight. I'm going to read Genesis 1, 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 2, the earth was out without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Now, one of the points that is important for us all to realize is that we were basically, we were parachuted into a world that was involved in spiritual combat. Panzer Division is about to cut the road south. <laughs> Looks like you guys are going to be surrounded. We're paratroopers, Lieutenant. We're supposed to be surrounded. Good luck. One of the best lines, the only line I like that Jimmy Fallon had for a long time. But he says, Lieutenant, you're surrounded. And his response is, we're supposed to be surrounded. We're airborne. Okay? Now, when we got dropped into this planet, I've got other scriptures here that'll show us that. You've got to realize we're in spiritual combat. Uh, whether you like it or not, is that, that line that came out of um, uh, The Lord of the Rings, one of the lines in the first movie, the guy says, well, I won't risk combat. I don't want to risk war. He said, it doesn't matter whether you want to risk it or not. You're in it. We're in war, and, and it doesn't take long to look around and listen to the news and see the things that are going on that I'm surprised everybody in here is not completely bald-headed by scratching your head and going, what in the Sam Hill are they doing? Okay, you know what I'm talking about? Now, how do we fight that? The, the question that I asked my pastor, we, we, we had a, um, a, a pride, what was it, a pride flag day or something last week, and he asked us to come and pray uh, across the street from him, and we've, we did that. We have quite a ministry in the street over in Athens through, through uh, one of the members of the church, and in, and in doing so, um, everybody was praying, and, and, and it was not... It was not an easy scene to be around. And so I just started praying in the Spirit. And I'm standing outside, praying in the Spirit, and I'm asking the Lord, give me some insight here. Um, because um, 
I want to know, and the Lord gave me this question, and I, and I love the question. It says, how do we, as spirit-filled believers, operate in such a way that we communicate effectively the gospel without compromising it? Now, that's a tension there, and that's what we want to try to do. And what Rick has been teaching us about this, the spiritual gifts uh, will help us to do that. And we want to look at a number of different things tonight. Being parachuted into a war zone, you can read uh, Genesis 1.28, and um, the Lord made this comment to the created beings. He said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Now, the word subdue means to take control of. If there wasn't anybody here that was in, in, in conflict with what God wanted, he would have never told him to subdue the earth because something's there that needed to be subdued. And um, I, I firmly believe, and of course this is just a belief, I can't really tie it down to scriptures, but I think uh, between verse 1 and verse 2 uh, and verse 3 in um, Genesis is when Satan got thrown to earth. Jesus said, behold, I saw Satan fall like lightning to the ground. I think that's when it happened, and, and we've been dealing with the aftermath ever since. Now, um, Chris Valentin, any of you know who Chris Valentin is? Made a great comment. He said, somebody asked him, said, why in the world did God send Satan down to earth? And I thought Chris had one of the best answers. He said, because he, he thought, or God knew there would be a million little Jesuses down here that would kick him around just like Jesus did. And we have, we, we're, we're, we're trying to learn how to do that, okay? Now, when we're talking about risk and we're talking about the gifts of the Spirit, it's kind of a three-legged stool. I don't know if you've ever sat on a three-legged stool. They're great, but they're not too great with two legs. But three legs are pretty, pretty solid, pretty solid. The, here's the three legs that we want of our stool, hearing God... And if you, if you would refer to John 10, 27, does anybody know that one off the top of their head? Yep, yep, my sheep hear my voice, and the voice of a stranger they will not follow. So we have Jesus' own word that if you're his sheep, you hear his voice. Now we, we have to learn how to do that and what he sounds like. But uh, it's like a friend of mine said, it really bothered me when I found out that the Holy Spirit sounds an awful lot like my wife, Joy. And um, I told him, thanks, don't tell it around Julia, but, but she already heard him say it. Hearing God, and, and there's a book by a guy named Mark Verkler. If you haven't heard it or haven't seen it, look it up. It's the best book we have a teacher over in Athens, Cindy Mackey, that teaches that online, and it's free. And if any of you would be interested, it's, one, it's, it's the single best book I've ever heard about living, or hearing from God. It's called uh, Hearing from God by Mark Verkler, V-I-R-K-L-E-R. -E I suggest that you look it up and begin to work with it. Um, hearing God, in order to be successful, you've got to hear him. What was it Paul said? If you don't know what the trumpet sounds like, you can't go to the call of battle. Okay? So you've got to be able to hear God correctly. Now, in, in the spiritual gifts, that matters a lot because if, 
a lot of times people aren't sure. They hear great stories about, um, well, Rick, being with Rick and, and traveling with Rick. Uh, one story, I don't, know, I don't know if you guys know Tom Crane from Athens, Georgia. Did any of you have been on a trip with him? You, you know Tom? Tom went and there was some places a bridge and they had to go across the bridge and the plane was leaving and they didn't have much time to do it. So Tom went over and he got over to the place that they had to go and the guy needed money. And, he, and the, the, the taxi driver says, go ahead, let's give it to him. Well, Tom gave it to him, not realizing that he didn't have enough money to get across the bridge coming back. So they turn around to come back and they're headed across the bridge and Tom prays and, said, and they said, Lord, we, I don't know what we're going to do. We, don't, we can't get across the bridge. You can imagine the, the, the problems there were. And all of a sudden, next to the taxi cab, this guy's driving and honking his horn and waving at him and everything. And the guy holds down and the passenger reaches out and hands Tom enough money to get through the gate. He said he's never worried about anything God told him to do after that. Okay, now, um, you got to be able to hear clearly. The second thing you have to do is you got to know who you are. Okay, now, turn to John chapter 1, and we'll look at John chapter 1, verse 19. This is a really, this is really interesting. John the Baptist is here, and he's doing all kinds of things, and he's testifying about Jesus. And they, and they come to him, and they ask him, verse 19... Now, this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? Who are you? Lane, who are you? Susan, who are you? Julia, that's the question. Who are you? So here's his response. He confessed and did not deny, and, but confessed, I'm not the Christ. Well, are you Elijah? Nope, not him either. Are you the prophet? No, not the prophet. Well, then who are you? Give us an answer that we can take to those who sent us. Now, look at what he said in verse 23. He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. He identified who he was by what the scriptures said about him. Now, how did he get that knowledge? He spent time. We can go back and look at his lifestyle. He spent time in the desert. He, he spent time with God. And he knew that that's who he was. He's not the, not the, the weird guy in, in the clothes that eats locusts and all that stuff. And, and baptize. He is what God said that he was. Now, let's go to, to my favorite set in Luke, Luke chapter 4. There's a number of things we want to talk about in Luke 4. But I want you to understand this. Luke 4 and Matthew 4 is the temptation of Jesus. Jesus goes out into the desert and he faces off with the enemy, okay? Now, if I go to, hold your finger there in Luke, I'll just tell you. If I go to, to Mark chapter 1 and I read from verses 9 through 13 in that area, uh, there's five things Jesus did to model for us so that we could operate as a spirit-filled Christian. One, he modeled getting born again. You got to be born again. Two, he got baptized with the Holy Spirit. And three, the Father speaks from heaven. Does anybody know what he said to him? 
Thou art my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Okay? Now, what does that tell us about Jesus? That tells us that he operates in faith because if we go to Hebrews 11 and read verse 6, it says, it is impossible to please God without faith. And he tells Jesus, I'm well pleased with this dude. He's operating in faith. Now, Hebrews 11.1 1 says faith. We could go to a classic definition of faith in Hebrews 11.1. 1. But the third thing was, he's born again. He modeled that. He didn't need to be born again. But you understand with the baptism and coming out. He got baptized in the Holy Spirit. He was operating in faith. And then what happened to him? He went into the desert. Okay? How long was he in the desert? 40 days and 40 nights. What happened when he came out of the desert? Well, we're going to find that out, and we'll talk about the fourth and fifth things that Jesus showed us right here. He goes into the desert, and in Luke 4, verse 1, as he was going into the desert, after the Father told him, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased, he goes into the desert, and it says, Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay? Now, he goes through the desert. He goes 40 days in there. He battles Satan, all the stuff that was going on in there. And now verse 14 in Mark 4, he's coming out of the desert. Look what this says. Verse 14 says, then he returned in the power of the Spirit. Where did that come from? The Holy Spirit had the same power when he went into the desert, but it's when he came out of the desert that he was operating in the power of the Holy Spirit. What happened in the desert? I think without a doubt, he heard who he was in the desert because he's going to show us that in a minute. I think he heard his mission by, by road. That's why the enemy was after him so hard. He heard his mission, then he left and he went and did it. Those are the five things. Being born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, operating in faith, find out what you're called to do and go do it. Okay? And you can't do that without hearing God. That's part of the process. But now... Look what happened to him in Luke 4, 16. And we're talking about the gifts of the Spirit, the things that Jesus operated in. You know, he didn't, just because he was God, he didn't do things. He operated as a, as a man, a, a man, a human being that could hear the Holy Spirit. Okay? Now, let's go back and look at this in verse, chapter 4, verse 16 in Luke. And here's what we read. So he came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up, and as was his custom, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read, and as he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he opened the book, he found the place where it was written, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down in the chair reserved for the Messiah, and he said, I'm the man. This is me. This is who he's talking about. So the two people that were that that we had that were filled with the Holy Spirit, both of them from birth, John and Jesus, 
Both of them are sitting down here, and Jesus is saying, I am this because it says this in Isaiah. He got it from the Word too. He got from the Scriptures who he was, and he knew what he was to do. I don't think God gave him the whole picture. But I think he, he does like he does us. He gives us one step at a time. So he knew that. And we, if we follow him along, you can see him saying, well, I'm called to go teach in this place. I'm called to go teach in this place. He finds this out because he spends time with God. But now look what happens here in uh, verse 23. He starts talking to him. They get mad at him. They're going to throw him out. So they take him out, and they're going to dump him off the hill, and what does he do? Somebody tell me, what does he do? He just turns around and walks off. They can't touch him. Why can't they touch him? Because he's not finished with what he was called to do. Now, where's the risk that Jesus took? Faith is a risk. What is the risk that he took? Pardon me? Well, he's going to get thrown out. But he stood up and he announced to everyone, this is what I'm called to do. And then he steps out to go out and do it. Now, at this point, what is happening between, with what he's doing, what causes him so much trouble as he's going down? Rick talks about, he went to a number of different things, and we're going to look at a couple of other examples where where he used the uh, gift of wisdom, uh, the word of knowledge, and different things that he used. So what is it happening right here? What is he using right here? What is it that he's ending up doing right here? I believe he got a word of knowledge that tells him what he was called to do. But he's, as he steps out and he starts launching out into his ministry, he's doing something that I think is very, uh, and, and as I was praying of, uh, and, and putting this together, the Lord showed me this Bible study on Thursday night, and I think that the, the comparison here is very apropos. What Jesus did, and one of the things that got him in so much trouble was, he was turning over upside down everything everybody knew. He's the only one. He's got to convince his guys. But when he's leaving here, he's got to convince everyone, I am the son of God. I'm here to save you. And everything you've been doing for 1,300 years is no good. You don't have to do that anymore. I'm king of the Sabbath. I'm king of, you know, I can pick bread. My disciples can pick grain when they're going. They can do all of these things. Because I'm Lord of the Sabbath. So what does he do? What risks does that cause him? Nobody believes him. You see the trouble he's getting into? One of the things is he's going to be doing something that is not common for everybody else to do. One of the things I believe that, that this Bible study, that, that the anointing that's on here, and I've seen it several times the last times I've been here, I, and I just sensed at 830 that the Holy Spirit could have gone on for hours. I mean, that's just me. I'm not saying that he did, but I'm just saying, I just sense that the Lord wanted, there's a lot he wants to do here. And you folks 
have committed, you want to learn about the Holy Spirit, and there's a whole church full of people that need to know about that. And they need to have the gifts of the Spirit operating in their life, and they're scared of it, and they don't know about it, and maybe it'll make some of them mad, but here's the thing. You don't have to be Jesus. You just have to be Patty. You just have to be Kyung, Deborah, Lane, Julia. You guys just have to be yourself. And you go in and you get up in the morning and say, Lord, show me something. Speak to me today and show me something I can minister to somebody. That's all you got to do. He will, he's never failed to do that. And I guarantee you what's going to end up happening, you're going to do that. And something's going to happen, and it's going to take your breath away because God's going to prepare something, and all he needs you to do is have the courage to step out and do it. And it takes guts to do that. I remember when I got baptized, I told some of you before, when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, the, this was in, the, in 1978, and it was back then that, that tongues and, and Baptists and stuff, they just didn't get along. That was just not a good thing. And everybody told me, he said, um, the pastor got up and said, don't speak in tongues. I said, what speaks in tongues? It's bad. Okay, don't worry about it. Within a week, I'd had about 100 people tell me not to speak in tongues. And if you tell me not to do something, I'm going to go do it. And I ended up getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. And one of the things that I found out was that God gives us gifts to accomplish things. And praying in the Spirit has changed my entire life. God gave a lot of people the ability to sing and not me. He didn't give that to me. I, I missed that line somewhere. And I wasn't over in the mechanical line either. I, was, I missed both of those lines. But when, when the songs are going on and I don't know what they're doing, I just sit there and start praying in the Spirit. And, I, and uh, during the day, I'll go along. I'll just be praying in the Spirit. And I found out that when I do that, God starts speaking to me. He starts giving me words for people. Last night in church... And I was, telling, I was telling you guys about, about Jeff Peacock. He was, a, he was a young man that went through our alcohol rehab program. And he just got married. He didn't have kids. He married a woman that had five kids. They're Christians. Now they have six. And as I was talking to him, the Lord started giving me pictures about him. And if you know me, I don't know anything about kids. I don't have kids. Never will have kids. And, um, but... All of a sudden, God started giving me pictures, and I started telling him what the Lord thought about what he was doing. And by the time I got done, he was almost in tears and said, thank you. And I'm sitting there going, geez, I didn't, you know, thanks, Lord. The Lord did that for me because I just was willing to talk to him. Sometimes you may get one word. Uh, <laughs> we had a, a class that came to our, our prayer center and from... Uh, college in in Anderson North Carolina a little college up there I can't remember the name of it but anyway um Clemson I think that's where it is Clemson anyway they came and there was about 19 or 20 of them and they came down to meet with some uh, leaders that we had and there's probably what 30 people that were in the room that night and um they were nervous because they wanted to know about the praying in the spirit and all this but they not they didn't know about it but they wanted to know and they're nervous because there's people speaking in tongues. Then they don't know about these gifts. And so they came in, and the, <laughs> their leader was about 11 months pregnant. And I'm telling you, you know, it, it was obvious she's having a kid. 
And I got up and I ran over to her and I said, the Lord's got a word for you. And she said, what is it? And I said, the Lord says that you're great with child and you're going to have a kid. And she looked at me and then she kind of started laughing and it put her at ease. But then all of a sudden the Lord gave me a picture of a butterfly. And I started describing that butterfly and then some other pictures came. And when I got done, she was crying. Two or three other people were crying. You know, everybody's praising God. Why? Because I just simply acted on the pictures that the Lord gave me and started describing them. And he took the ball and ran with it. That's the kind of thing that, the, that, that happens with the gifts of the Spirit. Now, I want to go on and I want to look at, let's look at um, Matthew chapter 11. And I want to show you something here. Because here's one of the problems that you're going to run into. And I love the fact that the Lord put this in the Scriptures. John the Baptist, the greatest prophet in the, in, in the you know, he said he's, the, he's the, the, the greatest that there was, okay? Now, John the Baptist told the, the Pharisees who he was, who Jesus was, and everything. Now, he's in jail. 11, chapter 11, verse 2. And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another one? Jesus answered and said to him, Go tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them, and blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Now, (coughs) excuse me. (coughs) Let me get a drink here real quick. John stepped out and believed and did what God called him to do. And it ain't working out like he thought it was going to work out. He's in jail. In fact, he's going to get executed. Okay. Took, it took a lot of courage to get in there, but it takes a lot of fight to keep, to keep at it. There's going to be things that are going to happen that aren't nice. But by keeping up with the, with the gifts of the Spirit and just spending the time with the Lord, He's going to sharpen your, he, like, like um, uh, the gift of wisdom, the gift of uh, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, the other things. He's going to gift you with things that will help you see things that'll minimize the problems you're going to run into because we're at war. He doesn't want his soldiers to be uneducated and unaware of what's going on. That's what Paul said at the beginning of uh, 1 Corinthians 12. He said, I would not have you ignorant of the spiritual. He didn't say the gifts. That's not in there. I would not have you ignorant of the spiritual. Now, I don't care whether the world laughs about it. I don't care about that or not. We're, there's a spiritual world that we don't know. We can't see, but the scripture gives us insight into it. And we see it in action every day. You cannot, you cannot listen to what's happening in the, in the, in the school system and not know that there's evil and there's evil spirits involved in this, okay? So 
We don't throw up our hands and just go, oh my God, I don't know what to do. We begin to pray and ask God, how do we get involved? What do we do? Now, he's going to show us as we grow, but we have to keep at it. We have to keep feeding on the word to do that. Now, I want to go back and look at um, what's the definition of risk? Listen to this. This is interesting. It's the possibility that something bad or unpleasant, such as an injury or a loss, will happen. A hazard or potential source of harm or danger where danger is something that may cause injury or harm. That's risk. Okay. Now, let's look at Matthew 14, verse 25. Matthew 14, verse 25, story that's familiar to everyone, but we'll look at it in detail here. Actually, in verse 22 is when it starts. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get out of the boat and go before him into the other side, and he sent the multitudes away, and he went up to the mountain to pray by himself. And when evening came, he was alone But now the boat was in the middle of the sea, tossed by waves, for the wind was contrary. In the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. So Peter answers, Well, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come on the water. Well, what's Jesus going to say? No, it's not me. I just told you it was me. But he said, Peter said, hey, if it's you, bid me come. So he says, okay, come. So Peter gets out and he walks a little bit and he starts to fail. And you know what happens? He ends up getting back in the boat. What kind of risk did that take for Peter to do that? People get on him because of some of the things he did. But I'm telling you what, the guy's not afraid to take a risk. Didn't work out like he thought, but he did take a risk, okay? And if you'll find out when in Mark chapter 4, in the storm story, Jesus saw the storm and he turned to Peter and those guys and he said, where is it that you have no faith? You have no faith. Well, in this one, what does he say to Peter? Oh, ye of little faith. Well, now he's gained some faith. You know, he got maybe six foot of faith walking out in the water, but he got the faith Do you really think you can shoot all those men down before they shoot you? Oh, no, no, Mr. Josie Wales. There is such a thing in this country called justice. Well, Mr. Carpetbagger, we got something in this territory. Called the Missouri Boat Ride. If you're familiar with Josie Wales, these are Union um, uh, soldiers and stuff that are coming to get him. And the thing that's significant about this is he's got the only people around him are telling him, you're going to get killed. This isn't going to work. There's justice. You're going to get creamed. He comes up and does something nobody expects. Who expects a guy to shoot the rope? He's saying, the, the, the Union guy said, oh, he'll only get two or three of us and we'll get over and get him. Well, he shoots the rope. The boat's gone. That's what the Holy Spirit will do sometimes. He's going to do things that you think, oh, there's no way this is going to work out. And then he's going to shoot the rope off the boat and all your troubles go floating downstream. 
That's what he does. And, and I've seen it. And I, I bet if we had testimony time in here, you could all tell me something that, that's happened that way. So when you start working with the gifts of the Holy Spirit, there's a risk involved. And in this situation with, with Josie Wales, he wasn't going to run. He was just going to sit there and wait, and he knew what he was going to do. That's the way the Holy Spirit is. He just sits there and waits. He knows what he's going to do. That's what Jesus said. Remember when he told Philip, there's like 300,000 people he's got to feed, and he says, hey, you go feed them. And he says, well, how am I going to do that? Jesus said, go ahead. He said, because it said he knew what he was going to do. See, Jesus knows what he's going to do. Now let's look at Mark chapter 2, verse 1. Mark 2, verse 1. And again, he entered Capernaum, and after some days, and they heard that he was in the house. Immediately, many gathered together, so that there was no longer any room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. And they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men, and when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. And verse 5 says, Jesus saw their faith. He said to them, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, there's all kinds of things going on here. Number one, Jesus is turning things upside down on his head. But because the Pharisees are going, who's this guy that says he can forgive? Only God can do that. Okay? But where's the risk in this? Where's the risk in this story? How about the four guys that go cut the hole in the roof? And how about the guy that's on the mat that's paralyzed? How do you think he feels about being let down through the roof? I don't know how he feels about that. I could just hear him, you know, and they're going, oh, that's okay, Pete, we'll get it. Don't worry about it. We'll get you in there. He said, you're going to do what? <laughs> you know, there's a risk involved. I don't, there's so many people, they can't get in, so they take a step. Are you willing to do that? Now, what I think is going to happen with the group of people that are in here, God is, is I, I believe God's called the Thursday night Bible study to be the arrowhead that goes in to fight the enemy and begin to believe God, support Jody, support John, and look at what it is that God wants done in this church. And, you, and you're going to have to be like 11. Just get out and just be, find out what God wants you to do. You don't have to go raise the dead. You don't have to do anything. But find out what God wants you to do. He may want you to do that, but if he does, I guarantee you, you'll know it's from him. That's one of the things that, uh, and I want to read this to you. I want to read this to you about hearing God's voice before we leave. But um, there's another point about this, and I want you to think about this. Rick Bonfim's taking a risk. Rick Bonfim, if you look at his ministry, he's lost his wife. That was just a big blow to him. That was, I mean, I don't know how I'd respond to that, but Rick has responded remarkably well. But he's over there now, and his ministry is not what it was 10 years ago. 
And he had three people that left, not, not because they were mad or anything. They just left at the wrong time. And he left up and then he calls me. And the Lord spoke to me. I wasn't going to work when I retired. I went to, uh, I had a friend of mine at Best Buy. I went in right after I retired, I think a day or two after that to get something. And uh, he said, hey, you ought to work for me out here in the front. He said, you'd be great talking to people coming in here. We'll sell all kinds of stuff. And I thought, well, yeah, that'd be fun. I'd like to do that. So I get outside and I'm in the middle of the street headed to my car. And the spirit of the Lord spoke to me as clear as a bell and said, I didn't ask you to retire to go to work at Best Buy. So I didn't do that. And, I, and for, for eight years, I did not do anything. But when this thing came up with Rick, it was, it, uh, I went to the Lord and I, I said, I need some confirmation if this is what you want me to do. And within two days, I got every bit of confirmation I needed immediately through scriptures and other people coming to talk to me. But you got to think about this. Rick is taking a risk. They want, he may move over here. Uh, and, and I'll tell you what, every, there's not a morning that that man doesn't come in that he's not talking to the Lord about this situation at Mount Bethel. And he, some days he's up, some days he's down, he's, he's Rick, you know. Up, 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 up. But, but I'm telling you, he's pursuing the Lord and he's hearing from the Lord about what's supposed to happen over here. And I believe, it's going to, I believe that this church will be turned upside down when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of it. And I think it'll be for nothing but the good. But you've got a, a track record in here that shows you it may not be the easiest thing in the world. And it's going to require a risk on your part. And it's going to require faith to do that. Now, I want to read this to you. This is about hearing his voice. It's a, there's a, a, um, a little devotional that I had that Julie and I go over uh, almost every night. What I don't know what part of the year we're in, but it's a voice 106. So we've got how many days we've got in the year? We've gone through 106 of them, <coughs> and it's talking about hearing God. And it says this: the angel of the Lord appeared to Moses in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. And there are times in Scripture when God speaks so clearly and unmistakably that the hearer has no questions about his will. Those times are rare and generally reserved for major events in salvation history and for people with critical prophetic roles. But in discerning the varying degrees of intensity of God's voice in Scripture, he subtly whispers at sometimes and announces emphatically at others. The more clearly he speaks, the greater the demand for obedience. <clears throat> Moses had few options. He tried to dissuade God from his plan, but God left him with no alternatives. There was no mistaking the words, no confusion about the instructions, no wiggle room at all. And while many of us say we long to hear God more clearly, do we really? The clearer the revelation, the greater the expectations that come along with it. You should yearn for God's voice, but make no mistake about what that yearning will lead to. Greater hearing and therefore greater responsibility. And in sec an exceptional encounter with God demands stepping into an exceptional destiny. Okay, now I share that. <laughs> I don't think there's anything else. 
that I had on down on here. Yes. So, I want to say two things. Number one, speaking in tongues. I want to talk about that. Uh, that has traditionally been a real uh, problem for a lot of people. I don't know how many of you speak in tongues. Or I, I, don't, I don't know. But it's a gift from the Spirit of God, and we should want it. Okay? I've heard uh, some of the arguments I heard against it. Well, it's the lesser of the gifts. Well, <laughs> fine. Maybe it's easier to get. I don't know. But I'll tell you what it's done. If uh, uh, Terry and I were talking a little bit beforehand about World War II stuff, and you saw the Band of Brothers clip on there, if you go back, uh, there's a man uh, named Roquefort, Roachford, that was, um, I guess Roquefort's addressing, but I don't think that's the same thing. I think this guy's name was Roachford. And um, he was the head of, of uh, signal intelligence in, in Hawaii when Pearl Harbor happened. And they had broken the Japanese code, but they didn't have enough of it to be able to figure out everything that was coming along. Well, he kept plugging them out in, in, in uh, June. In fact, we just had the anniversary of the Battle of Midway. In June, he got it figured out, and he broke the enemy's code, and it sunk the, we, we absolutely won the war with Japan right then. We had a lot of work to do, but we sunk their frontline carriers and everything else. So the Germans come up with one. Does anybody, just a curiosity, know what the name of the German, um, inside, uh, uh, shoot, the machine is called the Enigma machine. Yeah, the Enigma machine. And it was unbreakable. They said there's 130 men. Well, a Polish mathematician broke it. And we got it, and we ended up breaking it. And when we did, we had what, uh, what uh, Winston Churchill called ultra. And if you haven't seen the movie Imitation Game, boy, you need to see it. It's a great movie. And, it, and uh, Benedict Cumberbatch plays uh, Alan Turing. Does anybody know who Alan Turing was? Yeah, Alan Turing was, uh, amazingly enough, a homosexual, and he ended up committing suicide because they ran him into the ground for that. But it, isn't it interesting that God used a homosexual to build the machine that broke the enigma and literally won the war in the Atlantic? I, I say that because I go back and look and see to tell you how important intelligence is in warfare. We're in spiritual warfare. And God will use anybody. That's, a, that's another story, but I can tell you what, right now, um, God's a view of what's going on in this country is completely different than ours, and I'm trying to get on his wavelength because I found out mine's wrong. Anyway, um, the point to be made was praying in the Spirit is an intelligence-gathering tool that Satan can never break. He can never break it. Drives him nuts when you do it. And I found out that if I pray in the Spirit, the Lord starts speaking to my mind. Satan can't read my mind, but he can throw darts in there and he can watch what my reaction does. And from a, from a uh, code-breaking standpoint, that's called traffic analysis. You, Satan throws darts in your head and see what your reaction is. And he may not know what you're thinking, but he can tell what you're going to do because he keeps throwing enough darts and you respond to those darts. Anyway, I can't get going on. on I, there's so many books about 
the intelligence gathering. And when I, when I start reading it, God starts speaking to me about World War II stuff. He gives me spiritual things in battles, and I'm, I get lost in them sometimes. Julia goes, how can you read that at night before you go to bed? And I said, it's interesting, and that's how I learn stuff. Anyway, does anybody have any questions or anything that they would like to, to ask or say or complain about? Or is it too hot or too cold? That's not my area. So, Huh? All right. Well, I thank you guys for coming in. I know Rick's not here, but... I thank you for coming in, and, and um, I'd, like to, I'd like to close in prayer, and um, I would like for us all to just be thinking, what is it that God wants you to do? It doesn't matter what age you are or anything, man. You, you, you know, we're at the age right now where I've got time to do what God wants me to do if I hear him. And we need each other to help get through the rough spots, help to get through the rough spots. All right. Father, I thank you so much for your Holy Spirit. I thank you, Lord, for the gifts that you give us. I thank you for the leadership that Rick provides. I pray for Jody and John and the leadership of this church, all the pastors, all the, all the intricate pieces that you've brought into Mount Bethel, Father. <clears throat> I pray for our group on Thursday night. I pray that you'll speak to each of us, Father, and show us how to be the leaven of the Holy Spirit throughout this church.